the one thing that caught my eye was that the Department of Homeland Security says that 50 to 75% of ransomware victims are actually small businesses. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. Hey, what's going on? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of While We Were Working, episode 18. Can you believe it? We're almost at the 20 mark. It seems like we're just starting out, but we have so many great episodes. And I want to give you a feedback that we recently received on an episode. Uh, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is While We Were Working. It's a show for HR people leaders to improve their ability to win at work and lead people. And this uh, feedback came from our episode on March 15th. Actually, no, this is from March 8th. And uh, Eugene Frazier says, this is a powerful platform to enable women in finding their voice, changing mindsets, and taking real-time action. Thank you, team, for your insight. So if you've got some kudos that you want to share with the team, go ahead and drop it as a five-star review on Apple and uh, let us know on LinkedIn. As always, I'm joined with my host, Summer Keetron. Summer, say hey. Hi, Joey. Hey, everybody out there. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a wonderful show in store for you today. So make sure you stick around. Stick around. We're going to be talking about Russian ransomware and uh, its impact on small business or potential impact on small business and the pay transparency spectrum for good, bad and ugly of making pay transparent. But as always, we start with our high, low buffalo. Summer, go ahead and kick off our, your high-low buffalo for the week and let people know what it is. Sure thing. So high-low buffalo is an activity we do internally, and we love to share it with our clients for them to do with their teams because it's so easy. It's just an intentional time each week where we share something that was our high, something that was our low and our buffalo, which is completely anything random that we'd like to share. That's a great way to celebrate with your team, to lift them up uh, when they're going through something tough and also a fantastic way to learn a little bit more about them. So Joey, you want to go first or you want me to start? I'll go first this time. Uh, So my high is that we are so, so close to launching our courses on our uh, community.jumpstart-hr.com website. Uh, The courses are a wide range of topics that help people leaders, that help HR folks um, be better at their job. Um, We're submitting them for SHRM and HRCI certification. So you can take these courses and um, be better about your your role. Uh, So I'm just really excited that it's launching, but most of all, that it's a team effort. Um, second thing, my low is that, well, you know, the Terps, the Terps aren't, aren't having a good season this year in basketball. So there's no real incentive for me to follow along with Mark Madness. 
But hey, uh, I love sports. And so um, I have a bracket as well. So I'll be tracking my bracket. And then my Buffalo, uh, I want to shout out just the team last week for having a great episode without me. If you didn't get a chance to listen to episode 17, uh, it was our very own Summer leading the episode and Maria was our co-host for the day. So expect to see more of our team members circulating in the episode. But it was a phenomenal, phenomenal episode uh, with a all-woman cast. So that's my uh, shout out for uh, International Women's Month and uh, Summer. What is your high low buffalo? Well, I wanted to chat just about yours really quick, Joey. You know, I don't follow basketball um, too closely, but I too am very excited for the launch of our training courses. And one of the things that you mentioned was SHRM recertification credit. And so what I heard was that would be a really great way to not only build your skills, but also get your recertification done at the same time. And um, if anybody out there is like me, I'm always looking for kind of the biggest value for my recertification, not only investment, but time. And I, I do think that we've put together phenomenal content. And I hope that if you're listening to our show, you'll at least go take a peek. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, in terms of my high-low Buffalo, you know, we're um, approaching the end of, of March. feels like summer's on the horizon. So I'm getting really excited and looking at a whole host of summer vacation spots that, you know, have kind of been out of reach with COVID. Um, so looking at Fiji, looking at Costa Rica, Belize, so if anybody listening to the show has been to these spots and they've got votes or recommendations, send them our way because we definitely want to hear about that. Um, but my low is, gosh, Joey, time change. I know I mentioned it last week, two weeks in, I'm still feeling it. Am I the only one here? It hurts so bad. <laughs> Losing that hour, I don't even know why we still do this, but losing that hour just takes so much out of me, for sure. Do you kind of feel like Hawaii and Nevada laugh at us every year? I do. I do. I think they've they figured it out. They're onto something. And uh, these are like tourist hotspots. So um, I imagine that they have gotten really good feedback about not doing this time change thing. I think we just need to hop on board. Well, you know, I, I actually, it reminds me that I need to look at what the current, uh, like the latest update is for California, because there was some rumor, gosh, I think it was probably two plus years back that there was a vote to do away with the time change, but here we are still doing it, still feeling it and not liking it at all. Yeah. Oh man. But, uh, my Buffalo Joey was, you know, when I was thinking about these destinations and, you know, with the purpose that I'm hoping to see over the summer being to check off some stuff on the bucket list, I was curious to know what's something that's on your bucket list. Oh man. I think the last time that I've been to a, uh, pretty cool international bucket list spot of mine was when uh, my wife and I went to Italy a few years ago and got to go to Venice and see all the canals. Um, mm -hmm. I'd love to take in some of these uh, eight wonders of the world. Uh, I'd love to see the Taj Mahal. I'd also love to, you know, domestically get over to see the Grand Canyon. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is less of a destination than a, a thing to do, but I'd love to um, maybe one day uh, sail across an ocean, um, but not like hardcore sailing. It's got to be like the glamping version of sailing. <laughs> so it has to be on a yacht. There'd have to be multiple crew, multiple staff. Um, there'd have to be Wi-Fi. But I'd love to actually like travel across one of the oceans mm-hmm. in like uh, glamping style. So that's, those are some things on my bucket list. What, what about you? Well, uh, the locations I mentioned earlier, Fiji, yep. Costa Rica, Belize, you know, those are definitely on my bucket list. One of the, uh, you probably heard in prior episodes, I love sea life. And one of the things that I'd love to do is actually um, swim in the ocean uh, with whale sharks. So if you don't know what a whale shark is, it's not quite a whale. It's not quite a shark. You're going to have to look it up and Google it. Uh, they're, they're pretty peaceful creatures. Um, but they're enormous. Mm-hmm. Um, so excited to hear Joey that, that you've got some items on your bucket list that you're looking to check off and, you know, you know, kind of in light of what's going on overseas, you know, it is sometimes a little conflicting to be, you know, knowing, um, you know, what's happening over in Russia and be thinking about like how different it is, you know, here in the U S and what, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, bucket list and going on vacations. And so, you know, I didn't want it to be too much of an abrupt like shift from like all of this exciting stuff, um, back to a serious topic, but you know, I wanted to share with, uh, the viewers and the listeners, you know, that, that you and I did have a little bit of a conversation in preparation for talking about this topic about, is this too sensitive? You know, is this, you know, a topic that maybe some of our listeners might be a little uncomfortable with because it's, you know, talking about Russia um, and some of the ransomware attacks coming uh, from that area. But, you know, you, you agree that it's important. I agree that it's a very important topic. And so, you know, let's go ahead and shift gears a little bit and dive right on into while we were working. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll set the the tone here because you did you did ask me hey is this too sensitive of a topic and we're, we're covering an article that's in the usa today uh mm-hmm. written by uh jessica guyen uh mm-hmm. jessica if you're tuning into the show a uh, great great article um but you know one of the, it, the the reason why i said we should tackle this it truly comes down to a values-based decision and mm-hmm. one of our values is to be part coach, part cheerleader. And so that means we have to talk about the hard things, even if they're hard to, to discuss or whatever the climate may be around it. Um, but mm-hmm. doing so in a way that is um, optimistic, gives our customers or audience um, a pathway forward. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and gives motivation to, to get to that next step. So the article was published on March 4th, so a couple of weeks ago. But uh, ticking time bomb, Russian ransomware attacks are coming. What small businesses should do right now? Mm-hmm. And uh, we have talked previously on multiple episodes about cyber attacks and mm-hmm. wanting to make sure that not only your organization um, as the entity, but your employees as individuals, are taking mm-hmm. proactive steps to uh, secure, secure your team and secure your mm-hmm. data. Uh, but Summer, 
What did you glean from this article? Well, I think that it really caught my eye. Um, There's a couple of points that were mentioned. And the one that really had me stop in my tracks and pause and think and like actually start over and read the article again from the beginning, because, you know, I initially had just skimmed it. I was like, hold on, wait. The one thing that caught my eye was that the Department of Homeland Security says that 50 to 75% of ransomware victims are actually small businesses. And the worst part about that is, you know, small businesses are um, their ideal target because they do have fewer resources to defend and recover from the ta- from attacks. Um, but here's the absolute worst part is, you know, not, no offense to small businesses, but most think, well, it's not going to happen to them. It's going to happen to the other small business. And so they're, they're, you know, kind of taking the head in the sand approach. Hopefully everybody knows what, uh, what a ransomware attack is, Joey, but maybe we can kind of like just backtrack. And do you want to talk a little bit about like what a ransomware attack is? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, before anyone gets on a political soapbox, I just want to also preface this conversation by saying uh, this is less about um, highlighting Russia as a source of, of ransomware, and it's more about a greater conversation of protecting your business mm-hmm. from ransomware attacks, wherever they may come from. Even mm-hmm. within your own organization, um, you could have opportunities for, for ransomware attacks. So mm-hmm. um, my, my operating definition of ransomware attacks is basically whenever you are tricked into uh, surrendering or volunteering your information, and then that is later used against you in a malicious way. Uh, mm-hmm. So that could be anything from passwords being changed, it could be uh, money being rerouted, it could be a heavy-handed um, request for you to provide compensation to, um, to return your items back to normal, Uh, There are a lot of different ways that ransomware can manifest. Uh, So that's it. You know, if you get those text messages, which these days I'm getting at least one or one to five a week about like, hey, you've won this gift card. And then it's some random, random thread, Mm -hmm. right? Those are the invitations that you start to see for ransomware. So that's my my definition. What what else would you, you want to say about it? Yeah, you you mentioned some great points, and just to summarize it, it's really you know any any effort on behalf of hackers to overtake your network and your systems, and just demanding you back in. And I appreciate that you uh, that you had that little disclaimer, Joey, about you know this is not intended to be you know political or or you know really specific to Russia, but it's in the news right now for that reason um, that because of the economy taking a major hit in Russia right now, organized cybercrime rings are using ransomware and making greater attempts to keep their operations going. So, you know, it makes sense that as the result of, you know, the conflict that's broken out, that there is going to be increased attempts. And that's why I think it's really important for us to talk about, like, if you're a small business, some of the things that you should be doing right now. Yeah. And you know me, I'm, I'm kind of Mr. Jerry Maguire. Show me the money, right? Uh, you right. can kind of bring it back to some financial implications for that person mm-hmm. who, who's moved by, you know, what's the pain point of this? 
And mm-hmm. the article mentioned that there was a firm a few years ago, uh, a five-person team that was attacked and the ransom was $50,000. Yes. Now, I don't know about you, listener, um, but we don't have a ransomware budget, you know, just, yeah. oh, willy-nilly, let's just pay 50 k and keep it moving. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's almost, that's an employee, right? That's, that's like a, a one-year salary uh, that you'd be handing over. And so ransoms can be higher, they can be less, but just to see that this firm was hit and that was a dollar amount um, should should keep you up at night, but also should alert you to take proactive steps to uh, to treat that. Um, and one of the things we did is we got insurance. You know, uh, we're not sponsored by the company, so I'm not going to tell you who that is. But um, you know, you can do your research out there to see what firms actually offer uh, cybersecurity insurance. Um, and we are in the process of developing training that you can give to your employees on how to spot ransomware or ransom attacks. Yes. And one of the things that I wanted to mention is uh, what companies can do um, to help reduce their risk. You know, certainly it will never go away. Um, but if you're a small business, uh, some of the things that you can do is first off, back up any files that you have. So, um, if you're not currently doing that and they're in one spot, um, do yourself a favor, um, have a secondary backup in, you know, ideally a, a separate location. And then two, um, use multi-factor authentication. It's pretty easy and expensive. Um, update and patch any software that you're using. And antivirus, it's so inexpensive and it is so important. Um, Joey, you mentioned earlier a little bit about handling emails, text messages with care, absolutely um, making sure that they're originating from actual users. Um, And then the last one, training your employees. So if you do these things, they are very low cost. They will absolutely help reduce your risk. And if you're not already doing them, now's the time. Do not delay. That's right. That's right. You want to protect your firm and make sure that your people are protecting themselves as well. Uh, you know, when in doubt, check it out. And uh, that's always my advice. So we're going to post the link to this article if you're interested in checking it out. I want to go ahead and jump into our consulting corner. And this is where we talk about issues that we're seeing in our practice, uh, things that people are asking us to cover. And uh, as always, if you are in the, in the market for HR consulting services, why don't you check us out at jumpstart-hr.com. Uh, we work remotely. We're able to uh, work with your firm if you're based in the U.S. And uh, this is a topic that everyone's curious about, uh, pay transparency. Um, so there's mm-hmm. a pay transparency model that we may or may not get all the way into. Um, but the question is basically... Should salaries be transparent within an organization? Uh, what are the pros and cons about yes and the pros and cons about no? Summer, go ahead and kick it off. What do you think? Yes. Well, this is a really great topic that has come up uh, with nearly all of our clients. And, you know, I think the first thing that's, that is very important to understand is that pay transparency is actually a spectrum. So it's really important that when we're talking about this, that we understand that pay transparency 
is not the furthest, like not only the furthest end of the spectrum, which is sometimes understood as um, all information in regards to pay ranges and employee uh, pay is available to all employees. So that's number one. So um, the pay transparency spectrum is on the furthest end exactly what I described, um, but that there's also different levels in between from, you know, kind of the furthest of the other end, which is, you know, employees have literally no information besides what's on their paycheck in regards to their pay. So certainly there's a lot of ground to cover in between. But I wanted to chat a little bit about this because um, certainly with um, pay transparency, in it, it's it's becoming necessary. And I think that companies are taking different steps to get to where they want to be. And you know, on the furthest end of the spectrum, there's companies. Uh, one of them that I've heard is called Buffer.com. And they're actually a total open book, Joe. You can go out to their website and they actually list every single position, how much each employee is paid, and the formula on how they arrived at that pay. So, you know, for some companies that are looking at um, wanting to get to that point, there's, you know, there's varying degrees on how to get there. And I kind of wanted to talk about. Um, kind of the good, uh, the bad, or maybe not so bad, um, and the ugly. Um, so let's go ahead and dive in. When you think about companies like Buffer, Joey, um, and some companies that that may not be the right fit, you know, share with your thoughts about what is some of the good that can come from pay transparency, even if it's in different levels um, on the spectrum? Great question, Summer. Um, pay transparency is, first of all, I think you get to pay transparency after you've answered a few other uh, questions in your organization. For example, is our pay equitable with the market? Um, mm -hmm. Are we paying you know, person A equitably with person B? Mm -hmm. um, and then it's on the spectrum here, but do you have a uh, justifiable position for why you created the compensation in the first place? Mm -hmm. um, so I think for firms that get to pay transparency that way, the good mm -hmm. is that you can feel pretty good about any offer you send, any promotion you give, any compensation related matter that you or actually take around an employee because the employee knows that you've done the work to get to that number. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing about that is it allows you as an organization to know where you stand competitively and mm -hmm. it allows your employees to know where you stand competitively too. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a good thing if you're competitive, not such a great thing if you're not competitive, uh, but it's always better to know and be able to maybe you offer um, different perks, benefits, flexibility mm -hmm. that um, make it better to work at your organization um, mm -hmm. if you aren't as competitive with the market. Mm -hmm. So those are some things that make pay transparency a good thing is that mm -hmm. 
uh, if you've gotten there in a healthy way, you've done the, the work, um, you're able to defend your policies, and your team knows where they stand in your org and across the, the market. I think those are all very important because when we think about, you know, what is the top reasons that employees leave their job, especially now more than ever, then the number one reason is that they're seeking higher pay elsewhere. And, you know, I think that we need to be doing everything that we can to retain our employees. And yes, a bit of work that has to go into making sure that like your company is in the right place to share some of this information. But if employees understand that they are being paid um, equal to their peers and they, they know it and they understand it, um, then they may be more satisfied with their pay and less likely to look elsewhere. So we chatted a little bit about the good and I wanted to chat super quick about um, the bad, AKA not so bad. Um, we discussed it. it does require a framework. You do have to have a well-planned strategy. You can't just decide one day, Hey, I'm going to share all of this information and expect that it's going to go well. There is a lot of work and research and communication plan that has to go into this. You need to determine where do you want to be on that spectrum? You need to develop that strategy that aligns with your talent strategy and your culture. That's what we do at Jumpstart HR all of the time with our clients. We help them figure out what is that for them and then come up with a plan to ensure that we can get them exactly where they want to be in the time that they need to be there. And the last item that I wanted to mention in the theme of the good, the not so bad and the ugly is just mentioning that, um, Joey, you talked about this a little bit in the beginning that, that open salary strategies and even some of the varying degrees to kind of the end of that spectrum, they aren't right for every company. So, you know, if you are a company that has yet to really develop a strong culture of trust and honest, open conversations, um, definitely not the right fit until you can get closer there. Um, because you need to be able to have some of those tough and honest conversations for it to be successful. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put a caveat on that. I know we're going to land the plane soon, but uh, if you're in a place like Denver, Colorado and New York City, where mm -hmm. uh, you have to have pay transparency on job mm -hmm. openings, um, you're going to be in a little in a pickle. So you've got to mm -hmm. get that trust really quickly. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, you need to figure out how you're going to set yourself up to uh, answer the question about pay with your internal mm -hmm. team and mm -hmm. questions about pay to job seekers who will ask, well, why should I work at your organization versus uh, any other place? Really great. I feel like there's so much that we could still talk about in regards to pay transparency and compensation strategies. but. We're up on time. So if you're out there listening and you have questions to know more, Joey, how can they find us? You can find us over at jumpstart-hr.com. If you're interested in checking out other episodes of the pod, that's whilewewillworkrooms.com. And check the link in the show notes for our new course community that is open and you're able to browse the courses that go live April 1st.
So this has been a great episode of While We Were Working. Again, if, if you enjoyed it, just like Eugene at the top of the show, leave a uh, review for us and we'll read it on the air. So take care and have a great week. Thank you. See you next week. For more HR strategies that will take your company to the next level, visit whilewewereworking.com.